Hello, Pastor Steve Waldron with Biblical Archaeology Today. I'm so grateful you're here with us. I am so thankful to be your host. We're going to be looking today at the evidence for King David and specifically at Kerbet Kayafa. Kerbet Kayafa. So let's get started. We're on pages 252 to 254 of the wonderful textbook, The Popular Handbook of Archaeology in the Bible by Joseph M. Holden and Norman Geisler, Holden the Younger. I think he's getting his Ph.D. or has it from the University of Wales. Geisler, of course, from, is it Xavier? And among other places, and what a apologist Norm Geisler is. So let's get started again. Thanks for being with us. I just read a little bit, and then we discuss it and that type of thing. And I've noticed on these three pages, I've read this book through, I think, twice, um, I've got so many notes, especially in the footnotes. What makes it difficult in doing the podcast is the footnotes are quite a bit smaller print than the regular text. And so I have a very difficult time reading the footnotes. So I was in preparation for this podcast. I was like, I may not go into all the stuff I've got. If you could see how I've got these book, this book marked up, it's amazing. Okay, let's get started. Again, thanks for being here. Page 252, the popular handbook of archaeology in the Bible by Geisler and Holden. An example of a find that demonstrates, we're talking about David, the high level of David's kingdom is found in the recent 2007 excavation of Kermit Kiafa by Yosef Garfinkel, who currently holds the Yigal Yadin Chair of Archaeology at Hebrew University of Jerusalem. Now remember, Tel Aviv University tends to be uh, more liberal, and uh, Hebrew University tends to be more conservative, and Yigal Yadin, excellent archaeologist. But also Sar Gaynor at Hebrew University. I did want to mention 2007 is extremely recent when you're talking archaeology because so many of the archaeological finds we discuss are from the 1800s enormous amounts in the ancient Near East and really that's biblical archaeology didn't get cranking really till the Rosetta Stone and then soon thereafter and that's late 1700s into the 1800s all right they have uncovered a fortified city near the valley of Elah where David met Goliath that covered an area of nearly six acres and held a population of nearly 600 people. The city has been dated to the period of 1025 to 975 B.C., Iron Age, during the reign of David. The dating has been supported by extensive pottery reading and the radiocarbon testing of olive pits by Oxford University found at the site. We do know that that particular type dating method does have some anomalies in it. Um... I'm going to try to read one of these footnotes. In 1996, Seymour uh, Goten and Trude Dothan unearthed a 7th century B.C. inscription in the biblical city of Ekron that provided the name of two kings, Achish and Padi. And so, you know, David, P-A-D-I, David fleeing from Saul and joining Achish, the king of Gath. Though the Achish of the Ekron inscription is not the same person as Achish, that lived earlier during David's time shows a remarkable continuity of name that spans centuries within Philistine culture. The other individual whose name is contained in the inscription, Padi, P-A-D-I, is mentioned several times in the Taylor prism of Sennacherib and 
uh, annals of his campaign in Judah 701 BC by Sennacherib as the one he made king over Ekron, oddly enough. So that's fantastic uh, in its own right, but thought that would be significant. Worthy, really, of its own podcast, just all the nuances and implications of that. So getting back to the regular text, critics originally assumed this site was a Philistine city due to its close proximity to Gath, which is a short distance away. Thus, the Kerbek Kaafa site would not fall under David's authority or be considered part of the Davidic kingdom. However, further research into the style of pottery and architectural features, such as the massive fortified walls of the city, refute this notion. The construction resembles the fortified cities of Gezer and Hazor, Solomon, as do the dwelling structures and pottery samples that do not appear in Philistine culture or cities. It would appear that the sheer size of the city would be, by extension, refute the notion that David's capital city of Jerusalem was simply an unsettled community of nomads. The construction of the fortifications and many of the building structures at Kerbet Kiafia would have required excuse me, cooperation with an organized city-state network. It seemed impossible for a mere chiefdom to accomplish such a feat. Some of the huge stone ashlars, I've got that uh, under a line because I'm not totally sure what an ashlar that comprise the construction of the four-chambered gate complex of the city weigh an extraordinary five tons. Sounds a little more than a little chiefdom's doing, doesn't it? The sophistication of culture and complexity of the architecture alone would appear to severely damage Finkelstein's tribal chieftain theory since no mere tribe or chief would have the technology to achieve such a project. What is more, the strategic fortified location of the Kerbet Kiafa site between the much larger city of Gath and the capital city of Jerusalem may attempt, uh, excuse me, reflect attempt by David to defend against Philistine incursions into the uh, incursions into the Jerusalem area. In addition to these, objects unearthed at the site reveal a diet consistent with the Israelites. And that's one thing they usually can tell what alters what, barring any other factors just based on the bones that are there because Canaanites sacrificed unclean animals and, of course, Israel clean animals. Most notable is the lack of pig bones, unlike Philistine cities, which commonly show evidence of the rising consumption of pigs and dogs as a dietary staple. And like the Philistines, the Israelites only ate bread, vegetables, olives, grain, fish, lamb, and beef, a diet in line with the Mosaic Law. I will say this. I was in Israel like 10 days, and I may have lost 20 pounds, and I probably never felt better. Now, it was hot. <laughs> I was there in May, Tel Aviv. It was in the hundreds, like 105, 110, of course, down in the Dead Sea. Again, it was into the hundreds, but beautiful in Jerusalem. It's 2,200 feet or so elevation. It was in the 80s there. Still hot all day. Um, but I lost that weight because of the wonderful food, the olive oil, fish for breakfast. Uh, it was unbelievable. So I ate three meals a day, basically. Good meals. But it was the so-called Mediterranean diet. I remember my pastor, he was a missionary replacement in Lebanon for several months. And he was a uh, diabetic, pretty severe. And he said within two weeks, if I remember it was two weeks, maybe it was three, in Lebanon, 
no diabetes. He was there for months, no diabetes. He thought maybe God had healed him. When he got back to the States, after about three weeks, diabetes came back. Mm, be careful that diet. Even more telling in identifying the city's inhabitants is its location and proximity to another biblical city of Judah, dating to the same time period, Iron Age, namely Kerbet Kadreya, known as Gedera. We see these two sister cities mentioned in 1 Chronicles 4.23 as a place where the descendants of Judah lived and were called potters in the king's service. The reference in Chronicles to the king's employment centers, the archaeological remains found at both sites, suggest that they were the administrative cities on the Philistine boundary known as Nerium, Kerbet Kiafa, and Gadara, respectively. This identification could be supported by the discovery in an early alphabetic script inscription on a piece of pottery at Kerbet Kiafa dating to the 11th to 10th century BC. Recent analysis of the inscription does not give a certain conclusion as to the identity of the script or the language used, but most scholars involved believe the language could be Hebrew. I've done a couple podcasts on that and things related to that. While its script in early alphabetic, perhaps Canaanite, Phoenician, or Hebrew, some have suggested that the inscription was written in the Hebrew language and script. It would confirm Kiafa as a Judaic site, or Judaite site, thus strengthening the argument for a thriving Davidic kingdom. However, others have pointed out that even if the script or language turns out to be other than Hebrew, it would not preclude the site from being designated Judaite because there were people from other languages there, on and on and so forth. I'm going to try to read what I've got underlined at the footnote here. There are some Israelite sites that reflect the eating of pigs, but these are primarily found in cities that were destroyed by the Assyrians and Babylonians, and they reflect the backslidden religious and moral conditions of the population expressed in the messages of the prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah. That was going back to the altars. This is because there is precedence for the use of diplomatic language other than one's own native language and script. The ostracon, a piece of pottery written on, may have been carried to Kerbet, Kayafa, by a scribe or written there in diplomatic language by Judaite scribes. Its contents were analyzed by Gershon Galil of the University of Haffa and said to reflect the high caliber of scribal work and culture at the city, which is consistent with the site being identified as one of David's administrative provincial outposts, namely Netium. Netium. And so, and again, I've got so much stuff here um, underlined in the footnotes. Mm. But... I wouldn't even attempt. There's a ton of footnotes there in the next two pages. I'm not even going to attempt. <laughs> hey, we're going to keep going with Kerbet Kayafa, God willing, tomorrow. I appreciate you being here, whether it's your first time or hundredth time. And please tell your friends and family, neighbors, church family, Sunday school classes about us. Love for them to jump on board. Maybe make a notebook or a journal of things you find interesting. And we'll talk with you later. Again, God bless you. Appreciate you being here. Bye-bye.